Love the sinner, hating sin. Um, and there's a scripture in Romans 3, 23 and 24. And it says, for we've, since we've compiled this long and sorry record, I'm just reading out of the message as sinners, both us and them, and prove that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. In verse 24, it says, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us right in, stand, in right standing with himself. A pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be. And he did it by means of Jesus Christ. How amazing is that? And just that thing of um, a couple of weeks ago, Dan preached this brilliant message. Dan, Pastor Dan, he's on holidays at the moment. And, uh, but it was a phenomenal message on that title and what was on his heart, loving the sinner, hating sin, because we're all sinners, aren't we? Saved by grace. And... Uh, and then there's a, another scripture I just want to read this in, um, it's Romans 5, 8 to 10, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us, for through the blood of Jesus we have heard the powerful declaration you are now righteous in my sight. Isn't that comforting? And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more? we will be rescued from sin's dominion. How amazing is that? I've just got to find that clock. There it is, right there. Doesn't look like it's working, it's just... Oh, hang on. Oh, that, that one next to it. Yeah, okay. I thought the other thing let you... Okay. <laughs> I was looking at the... Um, I thought that that moved as well but it doesn't. Okay. Okay. Um, I've recent, oh, a few weeks ago, I started reading Genesis again in the New Living Translation and um, I just read, I, it just opened up to me afresh of how much God loves us. And, uh, and I... We, Eric and I, we were chatting about it when we were walking one morning and I said, "Hun, we're just trying to get back to the garden. All humanity is, we're trying to get back in that garden of creation. Amen? Into that place of peace and love and good vibes. As we used to say in the 60s. <laughs> I, <laughs> watch out for the brown acid. Now... <laughs> We planned that. No, and, and anyway, I was just saying, that's what 
you know, because I just had this picture of that's what we wanted to do. That's what we were looking for. I was looking for. And Eric said, that's that song. What song is it? Who can tell me? It's called Woodstock. <laughs> and uh, Joni Mitchell wrote the song and Crosby, Stills and Nash sang it. They didn't sing it at um, Woodstock because she wrote it a year after Woodstock actually happened. Now, I was just, it just occurred to me that most of you wouldn't have even heard of Woodstock. If you haven't, can you raise your hand, please? There's about, you know, quite a few of you. Woodstock was a, an event 50 years ago this year in September. And um, they had, it was nearly half a million people, 400,000 people gathered and they broke, there were so many of them went, but it was a, a pivotal point in the history. In history, it was uh, Vietnam War and uh, lots happening, and it was so powerful. And I, I look back in retrospect and think it was a little taste of what that garden was like, minus all the drugs and and. The everything else. So if you can imagine it, because the music was great, great bands and, and, uh, and free love. And, but that, that was... But no, I'm not saying that was right. I'm just saying that's what they were trying to get back to. We trying to get back to in, in, that, in that garden where Adam and Eve were naked. That's why we all love swimming naked. Well, Chris White does, anyway. <laughs> anyway, okay, let's get on with this. So this is that, just the chorus of that song. We are stardust, we are golden, and we've got to get ourselves back to the garden. Who, if you haven't heard it, Google it, because it's such a great uh, harmonies with the guys singing at um, Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young. It's beautiful harmonies, but... So, and I, I just went on this little path and I just thought, I was thinking about how Eric and I, you know, we're sort of at, at that beginning and I started to think how God saved us and, and coming to Jesus and discovering the love of God through the church. And I, I, I just, we were searching, desperately searching for that peace and um, love and truth and joy, security, all of that which humanity is, is looking for. Amen? And, but it was like in, 19, in February 73, some of you have heard this, but others haven't. And I just, we, Eric and I had um, left Sydney in 71, I think. No, early 72. Eric had gone over before. But we were um, desperately searching. We had an eight-month-old daughter in that time. And, um, you know, like when we sort of in that year in May. But February, but sort of we became really troubled and more sort of fearful and anxiety, uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of fear and just, but desperately searching for truth as was friends around us in New Zealand at the time. And uh, a friend of ours came up and he'd had an encounter with Christ. 
we were in Whangarei, if you know New Zealand, and uh, he was living in New Plymouth. We'd all been together with Chris and Kath in Sydney. His name was Greg Firmage, and he'd had an encounter. He was still finding his way. Like, he, he arrived at our place to stay with us, and because uh, he was a few years younger, and it was like, praise the Lord, where's the dope sort of thing. You know, like, he, he was still on his way of finding Christ, but he had a really real encounter and it planted something in us because he spoke about the blood of Christ and the power in that blood and something leapt inside of us. So we, a few months later, we moved on to a communal type house, which was, we were thinking that was the utopia. That was what was like, you know, that's what we're looking for in that garden where there's peace and, and a huge veggie garden and, and lots of other plants. And, um, but things increasingly became worse. In our, we were, you know, fearful and, and uh, I was suffering from anxiety and, and just really searching for truth and peace and love. And uh, we decided to, we just thought we've got to do something, get out of here. And, and uh, so we had, a, a, we had one backpack, a guitar, and uh, our daughter. And we got on the road and hitchhiked down. And we just said, look, let's make our, we were just planning on hitchhiking around New Zealand. And, uh, and we, we decided on um, New Plymouth as the first stop for where uh, Greg was living with another guy, Steve, and they'd had, you know, they'd experienced Christ. And so we, we headed down, we hitchhiked down there, and one of our friends um, said to us, you wait till you get on that road, Chrissy. It's going to be one big buzz. And something leapt within me, and I thought I didn't know what it meant, but there was something it was like a seed of you know how God speaks he's not yet saved he's Jewish it was um who those who know Lorraine Hindle that's it was her ex-husband and um but it just something rang inside it rang true and so we hitchhiked down and we found Christ when we we you know I don't I don't want to go into every detail now but the church was ready for us. And that's what um, is on our heart as a church, C3 Corumban, on Pastor Dan and uh, Hannah's heart is that every one person, like Wendy was saying, comes in here and finds love, acceptance and forgiveness. Yes. And, and uh, we did, honestly. The church, it was about 30 people and uh, extremely conservative and we were, you know, hippies at the time and, and uh, a little bit crazy. And, but they embraced us. They invited us in our home. Every Sunday we would go to someone's place for lunch. There was an older guy that um, uh, just, he, he'd have us for dinner and he'd, we were discipled by these beautiful people. And, uh, and that laid, that two years before we went to Bible college, laid a, a strong foundation of the love. And that's, um, and just so appreciating 
the house of God at that time. And the church, um, Eric and I ended up getting married. I was set free and delivered, and so was Eric. Uh, miraculously, he was. <laughs> no. Well, you know, <laughs> but just um, oh, the love of God. But, um, and uh, never lose I want to encourage you, church, today, never lose that sense of awe. Retain the sense of awe of your, that ex, your salvation experience because it is a miracle. It's supernatural. It's only God that can draw us and save us. We're just vessels. And when we reach out to others, God's already gone there. But just the increasingly and that's what pastor dan preached about the older we get the more we see that we're just sinners saved by grace and we have an increasingly sense of that awe of our salvation experience that how did that happen but i'll just go into that a little bit later but anyway reading through um oh another thing is our pastor was prepared at, at the assembly of god church in new plymouth for the move. He'd heard the move of God that took place because we were married. We ended up getting married and God lit a spark. He ignited a spark um, in that church and uh, from the church grew almost overnight. It was like a revival hit fire and that can happen here. In fact, we're hearing of revivals all over this world where God is moving so powerfully and miraculously in the ones. And, and, uh, but the church grew to about 200 in a matter of weeks. It was just a very powerful time. But he was prepared. He went down to Christ Church where Pastor, our, the head of, and founder of our movement, Pastor Phil Pringle and Chris, they had been born again probably 18 months before we had. But the, our pastor went down there and spoke to young people that had been born again, spoke to the counterculture people, the hippies and the, you know, those that are, were there and they were in the parks and he said, how? And so he was prepared not to try and change us, but to allow the Holy Ghost to bring the change in us that needed to happen from the inside out. And I want to say to you, church, it's not our job. And I believe we're going to have a move of God. Even Easter, you know, like what the ones, you, you just need one person getting saved and they tell like the Samaritan woman, come see, come and see. And, and just that we don't have to change. We might ha uh, have people coming that, um, we might not particularly like or, or, you know, but, and, or they, who knows what, who God has for this place, C3 Corumban, to find him and discover him. Let's be ready, church. And that's on, you know, our hearts at C3. But um, just, I just want to read, um, just have a look at that garden and, um, just how it was, you know, like God created the world. He created everything in the seven days and he rested. And then he created man and then woman, as we know. And then they're in the garden enjoying that fellowship. And it, and it says very clearly that they were naked. Okay. And, and then 
the serpent in the garden was in there and he comes and questions Eve. Most of us would know the story. If, you, if you're not familiar with it, read it later because I won't go into it now. Um, but just um, actually I might just have a quick look in here. Just where the enemy came and, uh, and challenged Eve because and, and, God spoke to them in the garden and said, you know, you can eat every fruit. And he, remember, they were in this perfect relationship with him, intimate, beautiful relationship with him that he's created us all for. Okay, so that, when we don't have that, you know, for those that don't yet know God, we try and fill that need in there with so many other things. And, and just so remember, they're right there enjoying the day and, and he says, you're not to touch that tree there, which is the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then the enemy came and, and challenged Eve and questioned. He's still ask, asking the same question to mankind. Did God really say that? And, and I was thinking, you know, he's often saying that. Did God really say you're going to be okay? Did God really say you're going to be healed? And he puts a question there. Did God really say that you're going to be free from this pain, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical, mental? Did God really say that? And, and she said, yeah, he said, and then he, he, he more or less said, why don't you just try? Try and take that piece of fruit. She had everything else there. They had everything else. But he enticed her into wanting that. He appealed to the, what is it? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, which is inherent in all of us, isn't it? Remember, all have sinned. We are born <laughs> that way. You see a one-year-old, they, they, they don't want to share. We don't lean to good, unfortunately, do we? We lean to the other way, evil, really, or that, you know, <clears throat> other nature that's selfish. And, um, and so she eats the fruit and they, they're afraid. I'll just read that verse in Genesis 3, 9. And so they, they look, they're, they're so scared. So they, they know that they're naked because they have the tree. They, you know, like know, they have a knowledge of good and evil. And um, I'll just get that scripture because I thought I had it written down here. And just that... Um, Genesis 3, 9. And so they're, they're afraid and they covered themselves with fig leaves, right? And then God comes. I'll just start in, in verse 7 of Genesis 3. Immediately the two of them did see what's really going on. They saw themselves naked. 
They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God, and God called to man, where are you? And he said, I've heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid. And God said, who told you you were naked? So just that thing of where are you? And then the second question was, and that where are you was the first question that God, where God questioned man at creation. And God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? And verse 12, the man said, the woman you gave me as a companion, she gave me fruit from the tree and yes, I ate it. We've been blaming the guys ever since, or the girls ever since. They've been, the guys have. God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? The serpent seduced me. So it's blame, blame. And that's the inherent in us, this, this blame thing, isn't it? The serpent seduced me, she said, and I ate. And it's funny, in verse 14, he doesn't question the serpent. He confronts him and says, because you've done this, you're cursed. Cursed beyond all cattle and wild animals. Cursed to slink on your belly and eat dirt all your life. I'm declaring war between you and the woman, between you, your offspring and hers. He'll wound your head and you'll wound his heel. And, but just that part there, where, where are you? And just this passion of God, his passionate heart searching, he's, it's echoing right down from thousands and thousands of years ago. God is still searching for man, wanting man, calling man back to himself. The first and foundation calling of God to humanity is found in those repeated words, where are you? And it's this ancient, powerful expression still echoes for every person. God is looking for that familiar, deep relationship once known in the garden for every person on this planet, for our friends and family those that we know and those that we haven't yet met. And I love it when he confronts the enemy. He doesn't question him. He says, right, he will strike or bruise your head and you will strike his heel. And does anyone seen the Passion movie a few years ago where um, Mel Gibson shows Christ just stamping on that serpent's head and the, the head of the serpent is where the poison is. Amen? Just behind the eyes and the glands. That is where the damage is done. When Christ died on that cross, his head, he, he defeated the enemy. And that was the bruising of the head of the enemy when he, was, when he died on the cross. He took our sin. It's so simple but so profound. The gospel, the good news. And then no sooner had he pronounced that to the enemy and he in verse, uh, verse 21, and this is the verse that leapt out at me, this wonderful promise to come. God comes to the remedy, with the remedy. He says, and I hadn't seen it before, and the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. And my heart melted 
because God, I'd read it and known it, but something happened inside of me and I could see God in his love slaying that first animal because the fig leaves were totally insufficient. And anything that we try to cover up, and it's never sufficient. It's only the blood of Christ that will cleanse us, not even cover us. Thank you, God. But if I say anything today, if you hear anything today, I want to... I want God to show you how much he loves you. Because, and the Lord God, it was God that made, that slayed the animal and shed the blood of an animal and and used the skin of that animal to clothe them for a season before Christ came thousands of years ago. And in Galatians 4.4, The fig leaves were insufficient. It was a futile effort. And the world that before people come to know Jesus, their effort is futile. Our effort is futile in covering. It's like trying to cover with fig leaves, but it will never suffice. And then in Galatians 4, it says, but when the time arrived that was set by God the Father, how beautiful, set In, you know, that garden, God sent his son. And even as he was doing that, slaying that animal, he knew that one day he would be sending his son to die on that cross, to be the Lamb of God. And this is out of Galatians, born among us of a woman, born under the conditions of the law so that he might redeem those of us who have been kidnapped by the law. Thus we have been set free to experience our rightful heritage. Isn't that beautiful? But when the time arrived, we're in a great age, church, aren't we? We And then... So, and then the next stage was the Lord God sent them out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground, the same dirt out of which they'd been made. That's Genesis 3.23. How is that? And humanity is attempting to make our way back since that expulsion or the removal of the garden. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? But just that thing, I just had this picture of his love as he slayed that first animal to clothe them. He wasn't expelling them for good. He knew that they needed a saviour, a redeemer. And just that part three, how do we reach? How do we reach people? And Graham said it this morning, and so is when, and, and the songs that we have sung, the worship, and it says, number one is prayer. I've got prayer care, glare, but I don't particularly like that word glare, so I mean shine and share. But um, so first of all, prayer, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous person makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. We, we, we're just, we're, you know, a fast is coming up, a prayer, 
and there's something about prayer. And do you know, I was down here a number of years ago on that. I was just praying down here one Saturday morning and I was in awe at how we got saved, how we got from that commune to a church and gloriously encountered Christ. And I was thinking, how did that happen? How did it? That's a miracle. And God gave me the picture, a picture of a small circle of people praying in New Plymouth Assembly of God Church. And as they prayed, we were being dislodged from darkness. It was like, it's like a plant that was deeply rooted. And he showed me that as this tiny group of people waiting, praying for us, they didn't know us. They had no idea who we were. And yet they were praying for us. And they dislodged us from that place of darkness And as we pray, I I want to encourage you, never give up on praying for your friends and family and neighbours and those that you haven't even met yet or the unseen faces as we pray. And when we were born again, I just want to share, we started, um, we had a little one-bedroom flat with our daughter and uh, we decided that we wanted to start a prayer meeting and pray for all our friends. So we had a full, and there was a bunch of us, there was probably maybe 20, babe. And we were, we just said, look, do you mind if we start a prayer meeting? We have so many friends and family that we want to pray for. And he, and our pastor encouraged us. And we were, and we used to pray and we had pages of names from all the people that, you know, that, We'd met close friends over there just from all getting saved together. And um, pages and pages, Chris and Kath White were written down in that, um, in that full scat book. And, <laughs> and uh, Lorraine Hindle, if you know, is actually I was thinking that flat where we sort of lived uh, when we first met the guys, Kath and I met Chris and Eric, that... Every one of them was saved and possi- oh, six of them came to the Lord, you know, later, a number of years later, but just the power of prayer. But they were in it. And one of the girls uh, in that prayer meeting in that, um, in our little flat, she said, I just had this vision of because we used to hold that out and we'd add names every week. And, um, and she said, I just had a vision of the, of the dove hovering over those names, over each of those names, and uh, uh, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit being present. Never give up. You, you might have someone that your heart aches for. Never give up. I just, I'll just read this to you. This is um, Charles Spur- Spurgeon and the prayer. We must be careful not to take delays in prayer for denials. God's long-dated bills will be honoured. We must not suffer Satan to shake our confidence in the God of truth by pointing to our unanswered prayers. Who's been there at times? Unanswered petitions are not unheard. God keeps a file for our prayers They are not blown away by the wind. They are treasured in the king's archives. This is a registry in the court of heaven where every prayer is recorded. Can you not be content to wait a little? 
Will not your Lord's time be better than your time? Isn't that beautifully written? Charles Spurgeon. So that's prayer. So we're there, church, aren't we? We're praying. We're praying for Easter that people will have a revelation of what Jesus has done for them and be born again. And then care. And that's just having genuine concern, love in action, doing that which benefits there. And we're doing it as a church with our genuine love. And that's so beautiful what is taking place there. And as a movement, we care. We, um, like Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, they... You know, there's a church in Macquarie, that Port Macquarie, that went through uh, trauma and grief and they needed someone to go in, so they called upon us just for a season, just to care for the people. And, uh, but they invested financially into that and the church is now going well. We as a movement care. The body of Christ all over this world, every church, no matter what denomination, we pray and we uh, pray and care and shine. And I just want to, this scripture, I love. It's in Zechariah 8.23. And it says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. In those days, 10 men from different nations and languages of the world will clutch at the sleeve of one Jew. And they will say, please let us walk with you, for we have heard that God is with you. And I just think this is where this is the time in the, those days where people are going to clutch at our garment and say, "Please let us walk with you, for we have heard that God is with you." And they might not articulate it in that way exactly, but they might want you to come over for dinner to their place or want to hang out, and they're really saying, and they don't even realize it. Please let us walk with you. They're going to grab hold of your jacket, so to speak, and say, please let us walk with you for we have heard because they know that you have something. We have something. Amen. And then it goes on in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. We are light. And Charles Spurgeon says, a Christian is not to be a village in the valley, but a city on a hill. And just as we conclude today this message, you know, we, we, I was just thinking just that thing of what does that look like? Please let us walk with you. For we have heard that God is with you. So prayer, care, Shine and share. If you can remember those things, our responsibility. And just just in conclusion, I just want to emphasise, re-emphasise that God is never indifferent to our plight. And I believe today that He is asking two questions of us and one is, where are you? And maybe you've never been born again and you're in this place and someone, you just happen to be here. It's not just coincidence. Jesus wants you. Because he says in Isaiah 42.3, and Jesus repeated it in Matthew, but just that in one of the Gospels, a bruised reed he will not break. And a faintly burning wick he will not quench. How beautiful is that?
If you're feeling bruised today, I want to say this is your moment, Christian, or you know, if you or if you haven't yet encountered him, I'd love to give you an opportunity. So that first question is where are you? Because many times we lose our way and we lo- and I have many times over the 46 years that I've been born again. I've lost my way. I've lost that sense of awe that God saved me so miraculously and loved me into his kingdom and had a plan and an appointment. We all, because the road gets brutal at times, amen? But a bruised reed, if you're feeling bruised, or you feel like that flame has nearly gone out, but God sees a smouldering wick in you. He sees that little flame that He's able to fan into flame in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And another question, so is that one question is where are you? And I believe another question, as I woke up thinking about this this morning, about four o'clock do you think I can't take care of you so do you think I can't take care of you and it's out of Numbers eleven twenty three. and God gave this scripture to Eric a few years ago and we handed over the church and we were a little bit uncertain of what lay ahead but we knew it was time to hand over and and uh, and he's repeatedly asked us asked us that question <laughs> but I want to say to you that he's thinking about you today and your plight he's not indifferent to your plight whatever it is there might be one person you're thinking God's forgotten me or God is indifferent towards me I want to say today that he's not he loves you he adores you